what does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft, the Director of Education at Pioneer Rx. On this podcast, we get to talk to a lot of pharmacists all over the country. And oftentimes, these pharmacists have really found a niche somewhere in their business, whether that is, you know, the retail pharmacy, uh, really serving a small community, kind of that community hub aspect. We've talked to pharmacists who really specialize in uh, packaging or delivery or, um, you know, LTC care. There's so many different areas to focus. Uh, one of the pharmacists that I have been looking forward to talking to is joining us today. Eric Cushy is joining us from uh, Pennsylvania. And his story is one that really kind of touches on so many of those different areas uh, of, of specialty, of, of expertise within the realm of retail pharmacy. And today he's going to add podcasting to that list. So Eric, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. So uh, for anybody who's not familiar with uh, your area of Pennsylvania and the uh, Curtis pharmacies, tell me a little bit about uh, uh, your day-to-day and, and what Curtis pharmacy looks like. Sure. We, um, we have three locations, about half hour south of Pittsburgh. Original stores, Claysville, we're the fourth generation owners, been in this town for over 100 years. Um, my wife and I bought that in 2006. She started compounding in 2006 as well. She's also a pharmacist. Um, we opened Washington from scratch in 2007. And then I was the dummy who agreed to buy a pharmacy in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic in May of 2020 in Connellsville, PA. <laughs> nice. So when you say fourth generation uh, pharmacy, uh, what does that mean? Was that within your family or uh, her family or generationally in the town? Gotcha. Yeah, generationally. Very cool. Uh, so kind of back that up a little bit. Um, did you uh, start kind of, you know, in that? independent pharmacy before buying that or kind of what led you to that road to ownership? Uh, I, I did, uh, 11 years for a chain and realized that wasn't my path. Spent a year working for myself, um, putting pharmacy systems in for owners. Guys would buy software, didn't know how to set up their equipment, didn't know how to set up a network. So I'd set it all up for them, train their staff and then temporary staff for a year, did that for about a year. And then I had an opportunity to get involved with the long-term care pharmacy. I was gonna to come to Claysville just for two or three months to learn QS1, to put it in the pharmacy. And uh, that was 19 years later, I'm still here. So I never <laughs> left the town. Nice, nice. So uh, was that your original stomping grounds or yeah, where, where, where do you hail from? Okay. Yeah, yeah. What, Washington County. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I like the fact that when you, uh, when you explained your history with the chain pharmacy, you, you, uh, sounded almost like uh, a movie script where you're describing your, your time and San Quentin or. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I had a realization. The pharmacy was in the middle of the grocery store and we had a drive through and we had people who knew that there it was a pneumatic tube drive through. So yeah. they knew their bag full of drugs would not fit through the drive through. So they'd want to pull up front. You'd have to stop what you're doing and walk their bag outside. And one day I had enough. Lady had 13, 14 prescriptions. I sent one bottle at a time over the tube because she did it all the time. <laughs> had a discussion with a district supervisor and I realized chain pharmacy probably really wasn't my future. <laughs> so, uh, uh, The supervisor decided or you decided? <laughs> no, I decided. Very cool. So um, – yeah, so that's interesting too. You said you spent some time uh, kind of consulting and, and helping to train uh, uh, pharmacies to better utilize their software. Um, definitely something I've done a l- uh, little bit of for years as the uh, as an installer here with Pioneer RX. Uh, but that's kind of a, an interesting way for you to get some perspective and and see uh, some different business models, you know, what, what was there something that you took away from that that was especially, um, you know, uh, going to shape your, your path forward? Uh, the biggest thing I took away and I still think it's true to this day is people make a big investment in software and don't really understand it fully and maximize that investment. It was true 19 years ago. I, I still feel like it's true today. Yeah, I mean that's that's so true with any piece of technology. You know, I, I think about the amazing you know computing power of of the phone I carry around in my pocket, and it's used you know to watch um, you know crypto and and catch Pokemon's and like it's it's this infinite uh, uh, tool for for knowledge and and communication and it's uh, just so far underutilized. But but to that end, I, I think in the you know, in the pharmacy profession specifically, you know, software has so many opportunities. Um, you know, going back 15, 16 years ago, pharmacy was really about the buying and the billing. Um, I mean, I'm really good at that. I'm the least clinical guy you ever want to talk to. If I'm talking to you about your drugs, that means four other pharmacists are tied up on telephones. <laughs> um, honestly, but the buy and the bill was always my expertise. I mean, it's honestly why we started with Pioneer. Um, that three-letter shows coming up on seven years ago, you know, you guys had that amazing feature to equivalent order multiple generic catalogs, and I fell in love that day. Yeah. <laughs> Old Mitch with the glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mitch, uh, Mitch is actually going to be joining us at Connect this year, um, talking about ordering some more. So. Uh, looking forward to that event this this summer. Um, so you kind of touch on a, on a couple different things there. So one, uh, if you're not the most clinical pharmacist in your pharmacy, it sounds like you must have a really good team backing you up. Uh, and you also kind of uh, touched on the fact that your wife is actually there uh, as well. So how does that work? Yeah, I mean, she started. Uh, she's been homeschooling our kids for the last several years. I mean, she jumped in when we, you know, our our girls did an incredible amount of vaccines last year. We did like 25,000. So she jumped back in to help with that last year. But um, until the kids are all through school, she, uh, she won't be back behind the bench. Um, yeah. She, she knows compounding inside out. I mean, she's really good, really good with the customers too. But, you know, you touched on it. I do have, we're very blessed with a good team. I mean, 
where we were it's south of Pittsburgh. It was a little more remote. Um, we got into vaccines very early on and we decided that we're going to try to serve the communities and the people that we actually do serve go out into those communities. So our pharmacists and the support staff went to the senior high rises, went to the city mission, went to um, the uh, group homes with the adults with disabilities, populations that couldn't get into a regular clinic. Um, so those girls did an amazing job. Like I said, across all three stores, I think the final number is somewhere around 25,000. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I, uh, I found an article uh, with the local – uh, local online uh, uh, news outlet there in Pennsylvania uh, and and found a few articles talking about your uh, vaccinations, how you've been able to, you know, really expand that like way beyond what you ever thought was possible. Uh, and it is cool, though, you know, you kind of uh, you kind of mentioned your, your wife being at, at home. I, I think that certainly is an important part of that, like the COVID vac- the COVID vaccination process, the entire process was so uh really challenging for everybody, uh, but pharmacists really had to adapt. So having a partner who, you know, is understanding professionally of all of those challenges, uh, it's pretty amazing. So, uh, definitely don't want to discount that. Um, so with, with, uh, with that kind of COVID, um, canvassing everything that we've done over the past couple of years, uh, you mentioned that you, opened another pharmacy or acquired another pharmacy during that time. So during a time when a lot of people are kind of scaling back, you were moving forward. And uh, I, I like that. There's there's opportunity in adversity oftentimes. Um, so how, how did that come to be? How did, how did you say, you know what? Hear me out, honey. Things are <laughs> chaotic. Let's add some more fuel to the fire. My wife is very understanding, very <laughs> forgiving. <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, we, we were talking to the owners before, you know, the world shut down in March. Uh, we had a signed sales agreement and I, you know, felt like we had to honor our wor- word. Um, it was interesting um, because not only did we buy the pharmacy, but we switched wholesalers, we switched PSAOs, we switched the whole process. Um, you know, fortunately, they were already a pioneer store. So that made it a little more seamless, but um, there was definitely some challenges. Beautiful store, great staff, um, and good location too. So it's getting there. Nice. Nice. So um, you do a lot of things in the walls of your pharmacy and outside the walls of your your pharmacy as well. So uh, when it comes to, you know, enhanced services when it comes to op- optimizing your your business model it seems like you've really done uh, a good job with you know finding those opportunities and then you know really capitalizing on those opportunities efficiently so tell me a little bit about the retail side uh, of those pharmacies are they completely kind of independent from each other do you share patients between those how, how does that multi-pharmacy structure work on the retail side so they they're all separate with the exception of our packaging um we the other thing we did in the middle of the pandemic was brought in an rx safe strip packager with the idea 
to start with Washington and then add Claysville. And then we eventually added Connellsville as well. Um, we used to do a lot of uh, manual packaging, mm-hmm. very time consuming for the techs, very time consuming for the pharmacist. Um, and, you know, everybody talks about Amazon and, and things of that nature. Those are always opportunities, I feel like, something that we can get in and do something better. So if we can apply our service model to that type of packaging, um, I felt it's where we need to be. And as of last month, we're running about 500 patients between all three stores through Washington's packaging unit. I, I would assume that requires some of the, I don't know, the the fundamentals to be really locked down. So it sounds like you've got to have impeccable inventory practices uh, before you can start that kind of process. Uh, it sounds like you're going to have to have a really strong med sync process. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that tale that, that you're telling here really has a lot of roots uh, to make that possible. Yeah. I mean, without sounding like a, you know, telecommercial for pioneer, it really does start <laughs> with that. I mean, yeah. you know, all three stores are strong on sync, um, you know, 60, 70 plus percent or volume goes through sync and look pandemic just increased a lot of that because you know when your doors were closed people could only come you only wanted them coming once a month or delivering once a month you know deliveries increased and everything else so um yeah that was definitely the start of it the beauty about pioneer is there's a shared inventory so we have a complete separate inventory that all three share store share for the rapid pack you know, Washington obviously controls that. They place the order. Um, but Pioneer allows us to feed all three stores into one unit and to control one inventory. Nice. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening, that is definitely something that is possible, does require uh, some some heavy lifting on the pharmacy side to keep all of that organized and keep all of that straight. But other than that, it's basically communication between the databases. So it's um, more network network requirements and and hard work with uh, pharmacy diligence uh, than anything. Well, and the other thing too, that look, I'm not the only guy doing this. Obviously, other people have a different spin on it, where they'll transfer all the scripts into that one location, run them that way. We just felt like the local store should be responsible for the sync call, to go over the meds, to go over the box, and keeps it local. Yeah, keeps it delivered back out of that store as well. Yeah, I mean that that's such an important part of the entire MedSync process is that that connection with the patient, you know. There there's definitely some efficiency and you know, packaging and and delivering all of those medications at once. But you can look at PillPack and see where, you know, Amazon said, "Hey, we're going to do this thing because it's efficient." Uh but without that last piece of that connection, you know, I don't know anybody that tried that service and had a positive experience just because it was missing that really critical part of pharmacy. And that's that connection. And and look, if we're being perfectly honest, those 25,000 shots last year were in several senior high rises, several people who appreciated us coming to them and then, you know, realized, Hey, you can bring my meds, you can package my meds. Someone's going to call me to go over everything. Um, you know, we really that combined with the chains completely being a dumpster fire. We've seen a large influx of customers too. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean that's that's another one of those like uh, you know necessity is the the mother of invention, um, and like so many things had to change to just get through the past couple of years. Um, so anybody that you know, a lot of pharmacies that were reluctant to offer enhanced services like delivery or MedSync or strip packaging, all of a sudden. All those things that seem like something that'd be like a luxury item to offer all of a sudden became a necessity to survive almost. Sure. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the delivery model there because you guys do quite a few deliveries, right? We do. Um, I mean, Washington's a bigger city, so that's not quite as bad. I mean, they do a lot more more population, but Claysville and Collinsville are smaller towns, so it's a little more remote. Um. But again, people need services, people need taken care of. So um, we get to them. Yeah. We've got a pretty big footprint in the county. Nice. So how, how do your uh, delivery drivers kind of look at that transactionally? Is it a, you know, um, a courier mentality where you drop the package and move along? Or do you guys kind of have that, that public health advocate mentality where you're going to go and, and really spend time with that patient? you know, look at those social determinants of health, you know, offer those enhanced services, immunizations, like walk me through a, uh, the, the ideal, uh, Curtis pharmacy delivery. Well, what you just mentioned is my pie in the sky. Yeah. We're not there yet though. I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, you would have someone with a billable license that you could do a collaborative practice agreement with a doctor to get the remote vitals, everything else that they need. And by the way, offer a vaccine, you know, go over the meds and everything else. Unfortunately, we're just not there yet. So I like old recently retired guys cause they're super dependable. They all yeah. want a little golf money and uh, <laughs> that's who we use. I mean, they know the areas, they know the people. So, you know, yeah. like I said, we're not quite there yet, but that's definitely a, you know, that, that strong, uh, local resource there with those deep rooted connections is, is again, that, that kind of fundamental part of what Amazon can't do. You know, I think last year when those vaccines got rolled off and they went to CVS and Walgreens first, again, CVS has no idea where their customers are really from a, you know, corporate level. Whereas for community pharmacies and not just us across this country, you know who your profitable patients are. You know where your guys are going to delivering all the time. Hey, there's a senior high rise here. There's apartment buildings there. So it was very easy for us to work with the county to hit these different vulnerable populations because a lot of them were already our customers. We, we were going there during the week. As, uh, as COVID's kind of uh, evolved and hopefully we're kind of, you know, working through that process now. Um, hopefully the I've, I've been waiting to see the new normal for <laughs> two years. I, I keep hearing the phrase, but not really sure what that. So, um, you know, what, what is that? What does that look like? What's next? What's, what's coming around the bend? We're currently running the monoclonal antibody infusion suite upstairs. I guess that's f hopefully finishing off the last of, of COVID. Um, but we're really looking to expand this whole packaging and what we like to call independent living concept. There's a lot of people who don't want a loved one in a, a nursing home, assisted living. Our box and our service, I feel, is like helps to keep those people in the home. You guys do a, a lot of the you know facilities and, and LTC currently. 
Um, but I noticed that's one of the things that you guys talk about on your website is kind of that alternative. Um, and I, I thought that was a really interesting kind of thing to focus on, you know, especially on your website, but that, you know, senior care at home. Well, yeah. I mean, from, so from a business model, look, if we're being perfectly honest, senior citizens take a lot more meds than most people. So our bread and butter is the Medicare population. You know, more and more commercial plans, you're getting squeezed out. You know, they have to go to CVS. They have to go elsewhere. Um, so that Medicare population is really our bread and butter. And, and really how we got started with any of that, uh, my folks are in their 80s, almost 90s. My mom lays my dad's pills out every night at supper time. Yeah. My mom was in the hospital. My dad called me in tears and said, I don't know what I take. It was like that old story about the shoemaker's kid has no shoes. You know, I was embarrassed. My father didn't know when to take his drugs. So, you know, that was our first four-way into uh, four-way into compliance packaging. And from there, I realized, look, there's a lot of people in the same situation. Oh yeah. So we we don't really focus on facilities as much as we try to focus on that population that is aging in home. Nice. Looks like CMS is finally starting to recognize that as well. So that's really our hope for the future is there's better reimbursements and better opportunities in that space because it's, it's much, much more cost effective to keep a senior in their home than for them to end up in a nursing home and ultimately on a Medicaid government paid stay. So let's yeah. hope the powers of be do that math and realize it. Yeah, for sure. And there's, you know, there's also something to be said for the dignity and quality of life to be able to, you know, maintain your health longer and and, and stay in your own, you know, in, environment. Um, what's really cool about that focus is that it's really one of those win-win situations where, you know, the pharmacy is able to uh, provide a valuable service uh, that's going to help the patients uh, and ultimately, it's going to save, you know, it, it, it's going to really a, a improve the effectiveness of a Part D plan. I mean, that's really the the entire idea there. And so it's this win-win-win situation where you're combining those enhanced services like delivery, uh, adherence packaging. I'm sure you, under those circumstances, you have a much better process to kind of, you know, look at their therapeutic profiles and, and optimize those. Um, it seems like such a, a no brainer. Uh, and yet at this point, you're still basically only reimbursed for the prescriptions themselves, right? Correct. Correct. Where do you see that going over the next couple of years? Do you see, you know, CMS, um, you know, kind of, kind of pushing out more uh, guidelines on that? I mean, they've already, started discussing it, but the hope is they'll recognize medical at home as a separate payer class, um, move away from a lot of the DIRs that are crushing all of us, and possibly a slightly better dispensing fee as well for that service. So that's the Medicare space. Um, Medicaid, it's the same discussion. So for state Medicaid, you know, there's a lot of managed care Medicaid. Everybody's hurting on that. So if you can get your local governments, state governments to recognize this aging and home place for that population, it'd help a lot too. Nice. That's our hope anyway. So you've got three locations. Uh, you've identified this kind of 
uh, unified need where you can pool resources, uh, strip package out of that one location instead of buying three strip packaging machines, uh, which can obviously add up very quickly. Uh, not only that, just, you know, it's, it's also staffing and training and uh, everything that goes along with it. Um, so it sounds like you've really you're you're kind of building your own um, infrastructure there that's really going to make a big impact on on the senior population in your area. Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, the other nice thing, again, speaking to your software, is I have people cross trained at the other locations that if someone can't use the interface at the Washington location, someone at one of the other stores can still continue to send jobs over to the robot. So, you know. If you set your computers up right and have enough network access, you can have some layers of duplication. People get sick. People are positive for COVID. We've been able to continue to function without too, too many hiccups. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those big adaptations that everyone's had to uh, ha- had to kind of figure out. How do, you, how do you accommodate some level of remote work just because it's, you know, it's not always feasible. Uh, but it sounds like your three stores, even though they're separate locations geographically, like how, how far apart are they? Uh, about an hour east to west. Okay. Um, so even even though they're fairly separate, it sounds like you have you know a lot of collaboration between those two. With that much of a spread, it could almost you know kind of be you know islands uh, kind of operating independently. I hate to use the word vision. It sounds kind of corporate-y, but you know we try to preach that how we take care of customers and we apply that in all three locations. Um, all the pharmacists have worked their way through the Claysville store and moved on to the other stores. The other, so they know the process, they know how we treat people. They know the expectation. Mm. Nice. Nice. So, so anytime you have a new pharmacist come in, do you do the same thing with technicians? You bring them into the, the, uh, kind of original store indoctrinate and, and no, not usually. No, <laughs> no, honestly, if we're being honest, my two managers have both been with me for a long time. So they both started in Claysville, moved Michelle to Washington, and she's the one that, that took over the challenge of getting the robot put in there and mm. making it work. And then Ryan was my student for six years, and then we made him the manager at Connellsville. Did you guys give the robot a name? I always love to hear the the affectionate nickname for automation. The girls did. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Okay. I really don't touch it. <laughs> other than pay the bill for it. <laughs> you, you've got three retail locations. You're doing your thing. You're How, how are you getting those uh, those shared inventory groups back to their home stores? What, what kind of process did you put in place there? So at the end of the month, I do reporting out of Pioneer, and then I'll do uh, accounting transfers back to the billing store. So I'll transfer the inventory back out of Washington's orders and put it in the appropriate store. Okay. So it's just Why, a, you have a fancier way to do that. No, no. I was just curious on, on the logistics side of, of a managing that inventory uh, within the locations and, and the physical inventory and then B the, uh, you know, getting those back to the end of the patient's hands efficiently. Well, I mean, really the nice thing about that shared inventory is everything's a negative one reorder point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking to the patient, you're getting everything set up, you're filling it, then Washington's ordering it. Um, so it's not like we have a lot of extra inventory on hand. 
and certainly not at all for like the high dollar brands. All right. So um, are you still doing compounding at those locations? Uh, we do all the compounding out of Claysville. Okay. And it's available for pickup at the other two. Yeah. Nice. Do you have like a specific areas of interest with compounding or do you just kind of do general compounding yeah, order? General. Okay. So I'm always curious to hear every time we talk, you have, um, you know, a, a new kind of uh, focus of analysis, it seems. I know you've worked with JerryMed for years. Um, and I know you've kind of focused on that LTC side. You have your retail side. So what what are you excited about right now in your pharmacy? I don't know excited is necessarily the word. But the, <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing we realized with all this COVID is medical billing is just a disaster. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. And look, I get it. They're probably all overwhelmed as well because, you know, nobody was set up for all these. Um, so we're really working through that, trying to get that all cleaned back up. I mean, we're still cleaning up claims from last year, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Um but our growth moving forward will be to, to grow that independent living concept as much as we can. Well, the nice thing about it is you really can plan your deliveries. You know, Connellsville and Claysville have a larger geographical area. So we know when people need their meds. We know when they're coming due. Now that allows us to deliver to different areas throughout the week. Nice. I try to optimize that as much as possible. Yeah. So with that, are you looking at growing into like new areas? You kind of mentioned medical billing. Does that open the door for some, some, you know, DME uh, consultations really to make that at home space uh, optimal? No, uh, honestly, the, the North Carolina guys who kind of got CPSN started, they've got the right idea. I mean, we all know the pharmacy pot is shrinking and shrinking and there's less dollars available in it. Um, you know, the future for any of us is what we can get into on the medical side, um, be it collaborative practice with other physicians or what we're able to bill out ourselves these days. Is it diabetic testing? Is it um, group teaching classes? Whatever those are, those are above my pay grade. Um, but that's where we need to be in the future. Yeah. You can't have an independent retail pharmacy these days, have your doors open and expect people just to walk through because of who you are. You have to give them a reason to come there because nine times out of 10, they're getting pounded with marketing material that go to your preferred pharmacy, CVS, go to your preferred pharmacy, Walgreens. Um, you got to give them a reason to come to you. You know, I know you guys like to talk about niches and honestly, I don't know if there's any one thing we're really that good at but we offer a whole bunch of things that you roll them up. We're a full service pharmacy, whereas the chains aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really, I mean, you, you can find those, those specialty kind of areas to, to stand out and, and maybe, you know, gain some, some new patients. Um, but, but I think you're right. I, I think you can't do just one thing. There's no, no silver bullet. You know, what, when, when I think about, the pharmacies that that stand out there, the pharmacies that are really just doing everything and doing it really well, you know, um, you guys seem to have that that same mentality. And it, and if you go to, you know, anywhere in the country, if you find the standout pharmacies, if you go to uh, Kirk's Pharmacy out in Washington, clear across the other side of the country, it's the the same thing. He's doing all of those things. Um, 
and just doing them very effectively. And those all add up to be more than the sum of its parts. I agree. Do you see a fourth location coming in or are you going to, are you going to stick with three locations? Is that enough for you? Much to my chagrin, my oldest decided he wants to go to pharmacy school next year. So, uh, we'll see where that happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I got 10 years to ride this out. So might as well make it interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, geographically, um, you know, it seems like you've got a, a nice area. Is, is there, do you have your eyes set like, man, if if we just kind of closed this, we would have these two counties covered, you know, would have network adequacy for, for these two counties? I've looked at some maps, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. So, um, you know, one of the things that you'll see in like Facebook groups or uh, if you spend time on Reddit is – you know, a lot of people ask, should I go into pharmacy school? Is that ship sailed? Is it still worth pursuing a new career? Um, and so I'm, I'm curious sometimes to hear that. So it, it's neat for you to uh, kind of share that your your kid is interested in that. So what do you what do you think about, you know, the opportunities for the next generation of pharmacy? I think think that you have to, you know, I call it digging up stones because you got to keep digging under that next stone to find that next opportunity. So if you're willing to do that and you can strike gold every now and again, then you keep it going. I mean, look, I don't think anybody graduates pharmacy school and says, man, I can't wait to work for the big box store. Let me go. Give me 30 years of my life there. <laughs> they just don't. I mean, I don't think so anyway. So you know, if, if you're entrepreneurial, if you want to try to control your own destiny as much as you can, and you're willing to keep looking for that next opportunity, I think it's great. And I had that discussion with my son. Um, but if you, as I said, if you think you're just going to open the doors and because, hey, we're Curtis Pharmacy, people are going to roll in. It just, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's an incredible legacy to, you know, be able to join uh, where you have such a huge investment of of goodwill in that community, um, you know, and coming in as a fourth generation into uh, your original location, you know, having that is a huge help. But you're right. Um, you know, Joe Moose has, has said, you know, you can't just fill prescriptions fast, accurately and cheap anymore. It's just not enough. Um you know, so so it is interesting to see that. Does he have an interest? Uh, does he have a focus that he's like, you know, I really think this is the future or or this is what I'm passionate about? No, I, I just I think he likes the idea of, of what we do and continuing that on. You know, but that does bring up one of the things we didn't mention before. Um, you know, when we bought the Connellsville location, he was in all the preferred networks. And my first move was to move to standard. And he mm -hmm. just, he, he couldn't understand that. You know, you're going to lose so many patients because they all want $0 copays. You have to be prepared to tell your patients why you're worth more. You know, if you're asking someone to go from a preferred pharmacy to a standard pharmacy, there's price differences. Let's be perfectly honest. But if having all your medications filled, having all your medications filled together accurately um someone reaching out and talking to you about your medications someone packaging or delivering if that's worth something then we're the pharmacy for you 
But if you're looking for no charge tier one generics, look, we're not your guy. I get it. You're going to have to go to a chain. It was told to me once, and I guess I never thought of it because I'm not an Apple guy. But, you know, people don't really ask the price of the new Apple iPhone. They buy it because it's Apple. So that's where I hope Curtis Pharmacy ends up. There's an expectation of how we take care of people. And it's worth maybe the price difference of not being a preferred pharmacy. Yeah, you know, the the race to the bottoms probably not one you want to win. <laughs> um, you know, that lowest cost per pill models probably not where independent pharmacy holds value. Um it's in all of those, you know, meaningful aspects of patient care that that kind of play into that. Um so that's that's kind of interesting too, especially around the the new year. Were you able to, you know, kind of, um, you know, help mitigate some of those patient losses through open enrollment, or or how have you um, kind of dealt with the uh, the new year, you know, that's looming, uh, you know, for for all all pharmacies every year. It's a big concern. So are you just surprised at the new year when patients? can't come in anymore or they, they have to go somewhere else or have you been proactive about that? Yeah. I mean, we used to do a lot of Medicare consultations ourselves back when it was a different field, but honestly, there's so much consolidation now. Um, we work with a local broker. He comes in, schedules appointments, talks to all our patients and, uh, you know, he's very upfront here. Here's the cost. You know, here's what it looks like coming to Curtis pharmacy. Uh, here's what it looks like going to a chain pharmacy. Most of our patients appreciate the honesty. Uh, we transfer very few out. Um, yeah, it's worked for us. That's pretty cool. So I've I've heard a lot of pharmacies that take advantage of you know some of those interfaces out there uh, that you can look at those win win situations. I guess with the the Amplicare interface, you know, and, and really give your patients the most information. But you're also taking your staff time. Uh, and it's a workload that's going to change throughout the year. Uh, so maybe you can't dedicate somebody there. But if you can have, again, a win-win situation like that where you have an arguably objective third party that can help advocate for your patients, that's a really cool way to go about that. Well, and the other thing is we try to grab people before they turn 65 because, you know, they get pounded with stuff in the mail. Mm-hmm. Um and just because something is the cheapest doesn't necessarily mean it fits your needs. I tell people all the time, look, you can sign up for an $8 prescription card, but if it doesn't cover anything you take, what's the point of it? So we make sure that people understand you want to sign up for something that's going to cover your needs. So he'll yeah. do all their meds. you know, He'll do all their doctors and medical services and everything else. Yeah, I can only imagine when you turn 65, like I, I made the mistake on like one of those credit monitoring sites of saying like, yeah, let me see what the current refi rates are. <laughs> and my, central. my phone instantly blew up. I mean, and uh, and the phone calls kept coming for weeks and the emails and this and that. And so I can only imagine you know, if you are 65, if you're going into that kind of new area, there's already got to be a ton of anxiety, something obviously, you know, you have to do, but the general, you know, knowledge level of, uh, of what plan is best for me is probably very, very, uh, probably a very low bar as far as just 
what most people know about their own plan. Well, but it, that comes back to having discussions with your people too. Yeah. Your customers, you know, Hey, you're going on Medicare. Do you, you do you understand the choices in front of you? We, you know, we try to talk to that as much as we can and then hand them off to the broker and he takes it from there. Your, uh, your, your kids going to pharmacy school. You've got three locations now expanding into, you know, kind of the, um, you know, that, that, uh, senior care at home. Um, you know, so how does, how does that look 10 years from now? Do you think, do you think, um, you know, is, is, is your son going to come, uh, work at Curtis pharmacy or is he going to say, you know what, dad, I've, I've got to go out to the West coast and blaze my own way for a little while. Uh, you're, you're going to have to stay at the pharmacy for another 20 years, dad. No, no, that's not <laughs> happening. I'm gone. Gone. <laughs> I'll get him out the first year or two. And then, uh, you know, we'll go from there. <laughs> no, honestly, I, you know, if this goes where I hope it goes, we're probably talking about a separate facility, taking care of all those patients, separate closed door. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I love that model. Um, I remember years ago, I, I, uh, I got to go visit uh, Jason Foyle down in uh, uh, North Carolina, and he had done that. He, he had this beautiful uh, storefront, you know, but that retail space obviously is much more desirable, you know, much more expensive um, building rentals, you know, and when so much of your prescription volume is that predictable, uh, it kind of makes sense to run your own in-house closed shop almost, um, you know, and, and just kind of operate a little bit differently. So are you actually doing all of your packaging in one of those locations currently? All the packaging goes out of Washington. Okay. And so that one just has the square footage to, to accommodate? Unfortunately, it does not. So no. that'd be a different discussion <laughs> we have to figure out. Um, you know, that pharmacy is really funny, though. It's, it's almost like two separate pharmacies. It, it's got a really long counter, and the one entire end is nothing but sink and packaging and, and everything else. I mean, they're pushing almost 80% of their volume through that, plus doing the other two stores, pouch packaging as well. So um, it's interesting. Nice. Yeah, so so um, with that, now you have three locations. With the introduction of strip packaging, which was – what, this was 2021 you introduced that, or was it 20? 2020. Okay. Because so, we closed the doors and brought the machine in. Okay, right. So was that the the old uh, grocery store location? It was, yes. Okay, gotcha. So, um, and with, with that new kind of workflow, you've had a little bit of time. Have you been able to see a measurable difference in adherence on those patients kind of um have, have you been able to move the needle or dir fees well um i, I guess dir fees may still be lagging a, a, a little even even if you had the metrics visible within the system now but on the pharmacy side have you been able to kind of see any improvement across the board washington is by far my most efficient store yeah um because they do so much sync, but the other two stores are right behind them. Um, but really with regards to DIR fees, I know we're doing something right. We're still paying a hell of a lot of DIR fees like everybody else, but they're as low as they possibly can be. So, Oh, nice. I mean, that's the other thing. If we want to talk about where hopefully pharmacy is five years from now, 
this DIR, I'm a swore on your podcast. We'll go away. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> or shit. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I crazy. You fill, you fill a prescription <laughs> and four months later they say, oh, we're going to take this back out of you. I mean, my accountant thinks we're nuts because we, you know, we have these sales adjustments. He's like, well, what are you doing here? Well, we thought we were getting paid X, but now we got paid Y. We found out four months later. It, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is funny. Like anybody who doesn't understand the intricacies of pharmacy billing, you know, it's so convoluted. You can't possibly just get it, you know, because it's it, it's designed to be uh, confusing and you know, you you see a lot of frustration misplaced with uh, people on social media, and 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 they villainize the the drug company or uh, the the manufacturer. And in fact, it's just it's it's the the services that the, they're paying for <laughs> that are causing most of the problems. Well, look, I mean, I'm really old. I've been at this for a long time. I, I remember the first HMO card. It was like a a credit card. You had to swipe it through a separate machine and punch in the ID number. Punch in the NDC number. It would do the old handshake, dial-up handshake. I don't know if you remember that or not. You're probably a lot younger than me. And it would tell you, patient is covered. Here's the copay. That's it. We've somehow gone from that to them controlling billions of dollars, telling you which medication is covered, controlling the rebates, and all the other machinations they do. It's crazy. You know, GER. We all knew that when drugs went from brand to generic, we were going to have a deflation in sales, but we assumed gross profit should remain relatively stable because while you have less sales dollars, you should have a better reimbursement on generics. Well, somehow the PBMs have managed to figure out how to extract it from both ends. Mm. You know, sales are deflated and then gross profits deflated because of GERs and DIRs and everything else. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's not like so, the salad days of generic sildenafil where we were all printing money. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so you, you've talked about your DIR fees being as, as low as possible. So you've been able to mitigate that to some degree. Is that through, you know, just uh, being a high performing pharmacy with, you know, strong five star metrics or is that through negotiating better contracts? Ah, come on, man. There's no negotiating better contracts. You're either standard or preferred. And yeah. if you're standard, it's a different set of DIR, but it's still DIR. So Yeah. And and how much does how much does just playing the game come into that with, with your inventory, just making sure you're turning over the right shell with the, the GER gap of, of this equivalent versus this one? Uh I really try not to get too wrapped up into that. Yeah. I mean, we use three wholesalers. Pioneer Source is the best price based on rebate structure. Um, you'll drive yourself, I, I don't know. I, I think you'll drive yourself crazy if you start to play around with always looking for the dead net cheaper, cheapest from multiple, multiple vendors. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that being said, with sync and everything else, we really don't have a lot of high dollars on our shelves. We try not to anyway. I mean, you should be able to know when that patient is due for that bottle of Eloquist or that box of Trulicity or that other crazy expensive brand name. So if you're not using your software to understand when they're coming due, when to order, when to have it, uh, go to connect, figure it out. Yeah, there's, you know, there there's so much uncertainty. You got to look for that predictability where you can and and your refill volume for those 
um, you know, specific states like that, you know you're going to have those refills. Uh, you better plan smartly, you know, lean lean out those shelves and, and make sure you're efficiently delivering that sink. Um, it's not a whole lot else you can do if you can't negotiate those contracts. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're running up on time. I'm going to let you get back to work. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you here on the road before too long. PDS coming up. Uh, Connect is coming up. Uh, a couple other big trade shows this year. I, I always look forward to bumping into you on the road. Yep. Buy me a beer. <laughs> you got it, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.